Welcome to the podcast about stories from the center of the universe. I'm Daniel Lance. I'm Paul Gilman, and this is Podzo One. Garrison Coward is a proud Virginian and former Republican candidate for the 2019 House of Delegates, a race which he lost narrowly. He is currently a managing director working in the investment banking space. In this conversation, we talked about whether his running a political campaign was actually like House of Cards, how he thinks we should deal with political division, why local politics are so undervalued as compared to the national level, and Garrison's plans for the future. To quote an article he once wrote, I'm not a black Republican, I'm a common sense conservative who happens to be black. No political party owns me. So here's Garrison Coward. All right, Garrison Coward, welcome to Podso One. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on tonight. Yeah, I think we have to mention that th- you and I connected through Andrew Mock. Andrew Mock is a great guy. I went to him sitting with Andrew, and I think the world of him. Um, I hope he didn't tell you too many stories. So he he didn't he he implied a lot, but he never really got into uh, specifics. That's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to do that today either. But um, cool. Well, thanks for being with us, Garrison. Uh, you know, we like to ask people about their story. You know, from from the beginning, right from the beginning. So, tell us a little bit about uh, you know growing up, and we we'd also like to hear you know at, at what point did you start to identify as a conservative? When did those ideas kind of enter your brain? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank again. Thank what y'all are doing here. Um, it's it's pretty amazing to be able to bring in so many different types of folks from all different walks of backgrounds. And I know you, I listened to, I think you had Tim, Tim Stevenson, or maybe it was Kyle Stevenson uh, last week and, you know, before, but yeah, D- Danny and Paul, again, thanks for having me on. And thanks for, thanks for doing this because, you know, I know that while, uh, while uh, Paul may think that he's old, it is nice to have a Gen Xer and a millennial uh, just talk about some stories and bringing real life, um, you know, into, into uh, I guess what can sometimes be a stale world, even though everyone and their brother has a podcast now and they think they're important, but what you guys are doing, it truly is uh, amazing. But um, yeah, so I, I was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I, Grew up in Henrico County, so not too far from uh, where you guys are right now in Ashland. I went to um, a, a little middle school called Short Pump Middle School back in the day. And I know we were just talking about Ashland and how Ashland had that one, uh, you know, that one little watering hole or that one little restaurant. You know, I remember even when I was in middle school, that would have been in like 2006. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, 2006, 2005. Even out then, you, you only had, if you drove down Goochley, you'd only, or drove down uh, Broad Street, you'd only see that one uh, gas station. It was yeah. literally Short Pump. That was what Short Pump was. Yep. So anyway, went to went to Short Pump Middle School, and then um, I went to Tucker High School. So speaking of more changes, Tucker is now kind of going through its own little change. They, a massive change, rather. They have torn down the old campus which i which i really really liked and um but it definitely needed to to happen and they've now made room for uh this new uh the new school that's going to be put right over near the football field right off of um right over there near the football stadium right before you get on to 95 but anyway and then i went to ham sydney got a degree in economics um and minored in rhetoric uh and then went and after i graduated i 
went and worked for Mitt Romney because I couldn't get a job anywhere else. The economy was awful. Um, and then I realized very quickly that if I ever wanted to do anything, well, first of all, I'll, let me back up and we'll talk about this later, but went and worked for Mitt and said, all right, I don't know about this politics stuff. Like I just, you know, that was a lot. And I, I, I had always been around it. Um, I grew up with a lot of folks, my mentor, uh, he was in he was in Congress, and um, I've been, I was very very fortunate to see folks from all sides at a very very early age. But I never thought that I would, um, you know, kind of continue down the political path. And I'll come back to that later. Um, so anyway, I I enrolled in a master's program at George Washington University. Um, I was working, so I went to school at night from seven ten to nine forty. Um, so I got a degree in public uh, or political management, and then. Um, did, did uh, a minor in public policy. Um, and then I went and worked for, I ended up working the state party and uh, worked my way up to political director. And then I ended up on Congressman Rob Whitman's staff and quickly realized that, you know, after the, uh, that my political whatever was probably going to be, I was probably over it at that point. And um, something just keeps, it always pulls you back in. It's like you have a sickness. Myself, and we'll come back to that later. But uh, <laughs> I ended up, I ended up, uh, you know, after I got that first master's, which was probably not the best use of, of $50,000, if I'm going to be frank with myself, I got that first master's and then went and got uh, my MBA uh, in finance from the George Washington University as well. So I just stayed at GW um, and spent more money. And that was very, very valuable. Like that was that I will, if, if anyone that's listening is confused about okay, whether, well, should I go back to school? Should I not? Do, you know, everyone will have their own opinions and it's certainly uh, whatever is best for that, you know, individual always. But I will say that, you know, I did find my uh, MBA to be very, very valuable, not only in the content of what you learn in terms of your case studies and what, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of Harvard business review stuff, and, but, but also just the, the relationships that you, that you meet, you know, the, that you, that you create, sorry, the people that you meet, the creation, the relationships that you uh, create. So, um, so yeah, after that, I decided that I was done with, I was done, done with politics this time. And I decided to move home and uh, uh, go move home full-time and go back uh, and work for this data analytics company that I happened to be on the board of at the time. And that was great fun. Um, helped raise you know some money for the for the company really got it off the ground and went out and shopped the product and then um i guess somewhere along there those lines something i developed a mental illness and i decided that i was going to run for office um, <laughs> <laughs> and the reason i did frankly um you know aside from what i was doing politically I, i'm i'm a big believer in the community right and and not only a community in the sense of of what you're doing at home, but also I really think that your your sphere of influence, the people that you the people that you actually end up um, connecting with on the day to day, it's it's very very important. So I, I was sitting on the board of uh, Southside Community Development and Housing Corporation. I was doing a lot of stuff with the YMCA. I was on the board of a credit union called the Richmond Heritage Federal Credit Union, and you know I really I was looking around and I was just saying you know. Virginia is a great place to, to live. It really is. But there's just so much that we can do better, right? It's like you, you just kind of have this, you have this moment where you're just like, all right, we, we need to do better, right? We need, to, we need to create more opportunity. I always tell people it's about, 
equal opportunities, not equal outcomes, right? Like that's the way that I see the world. I, I think that it is incumbent upon all of us to create an ecosystem, whether that be in business, whether that be in life, whether that be in your faith world, where you're giving people the opportunity to succeed in whichever way they see fit. You guys want to be, you, you guys want to be on a podcast? Well, guess what? Like, let's, let's figure out a way to make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, Danny and Paul standing up their podcast, they can do that with less regulation, with so much ease that they can, you know, do this from their basement and then get up on Apple and, and wow, look at how great you guys have become, right? If you, you want to go start a small business, we need to figure out a way to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're helping or, or at least giving that person a foundational, a, a foundation from which they can, they can grow their business with the minimum amount of government interference, right? That's, that's kind of where I look at it. So anyway, I, I decided to run for, for, uh, for the House of Delegates and I'll definitely run again, but you know, again, just kind of going back to that whole ecosystem of how do you, how do you, how do you really help a community? Well, I think you gotta, you've gotta promote policies, business policies that are friendly, right? That create those opportunities. I think you've got to oppose tax increases on job creators and families. You know, you need to find practical solutions um, to higher education funding. You know, one thing that always on the education piece that gets me, it's like, you can look at a look around on all these other states, you know, look at what Mitch Daniels does in Indiana, and it, they don't raise tuition every single year. Like, why is that? And then, by the way, you look at what happens in Virginia, they put in, they, they, they put in a, they institute a, um, a tuition freeze, and then all of a sudden, they go and raise, you know, the prices somewhere else. And it's like, well, that, what, what, what good did that do? So we'll talk about that later on. And then um, one day, I will say this one day, um, and I think, you know, when you run for office, everybody thinks that it's like it's House of Cards or something, right? It's it's just it's just that. It's more like Veep. Have you ever seen Veep? No, no. Okay, you should you should go and watch Veep. It's more like Veep, right? Like you, you, there's no one's pushing. You know, it, it's definitely a it's definitely a contact sport. But for the most part, I will say that people on both sides, they most of the time they have a passion for something that they believe in, and whether or not. I believe in what they believe in 100% or vice versa. I think it's just important that we create a new generation of leaders and not, you know, not to be ageist or anything, but a new generation of leaders who can come together and just get stuff done, right? And that's, that's kind of the, that's the premise around it. So I, I say all that to say, because one day, you know, when you, when you run for office, there's a lot of backroom nonsense that goes on. One day, you're, you're, I was sitting there and I was jockeying and I, was, I had to go to the DMV. And I hate going to the DMV. I think everyone hates going to the DMV. I think that's the one good thing about COVID is that the DMV, you can't go until like February of 2022. So like, whatever, you know, DMV is the DMV. But I was sitting there one day and I was thinking about running for office and it was taking so long for these people to get me what I needed. Like I was on a, on a time crunch and I missed a, a, what I thought was an important meeting with someone. And I just simply leaned over the, 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 the counter and I said, man, I said, I'm just wondering, like, what what operating system are you guys using? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, what what operating system <laughs> is the DMV? You like right now on your computer screen? What is it? And it, she said, it's Windows XP. Yes. And, and I was <laughs> like, okay. I was like, this is not a sign from the Lord or whomever above, like that I need to get in the office. And if the one thing that I do is change the DMV from Windows XP. 
I have saved, you know, the Commonwealth a lot of time. And I, but, you know, you joke about it, but ultimately we've got to figure out a way to integrate new technologies in the government, right? On state level and on the federal level, because if you don't, then you, you're getting left behind, right? And then obviously I'm a big, 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 big uh, believer and supporter of our, uh, our police and our, our first responders and, and nurses and doctors. And, you know, especially a year like this year where they have all uh, respectively put, put, put their lives quite literally on the line. You know, you, you've, you've, we've got to figure out a way to, to take care of them a little bit better. So yeah. that, that's, uh, that's, 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 that was a lot, but that's, that, yeah, that's, that, that, yeah, that was awesome though. Um, I, I want to ask about like the uh, coming together type um, message that I think you're bringing, you know, you know, getting into the room with people and problem solving with, with people. Um, how has that, how has it been trying to promote that message in what I think a lot of people consider a really probably historically divisive climate? <laughs> you think it's, you think right now is divisive? Is that? Yeah, I would, no, I would say no, so. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, is there another world outside of social and corporate media that I don't know about? He's like, uh, yeah. He's like, yeah crazy. He's I like, don't know. He's like, this guy's nuts. Now I'm, <laughs> now I'm understanding uh, Garrison's relationship with Andrew a little bit better. Oh, there you go. I love <laughs> oh my God, I love Andrew. Um, oh, so, yeah, so uh, how do you bring people together? Okay, well, you can, always start with, you can always start with kids, right? Because our children are the foundation of our future. I mean, that is just, that is just the, that if you don't have a well-educated society, then we, we've missed out, right? And I think, um, and not even well-educated, that's not even the, who am I to say if someone's well-educated or not. I think what you want is a workforce that's ready for the uh, economy that, that we're out, that's out there, that we, that we collectively create, right? And it starts, it really starts with pre-K, frankly. Um, Pre-K, but ultimately it's our elementary schools and then our middle schools. We know that by the time a child is in the sixth grade, that's when Danny says, or Paul says, I want to be an architect. I want to be a lawyer. And I'm, I've always been under the impression of, you know, we need to create, you, I learn by doing, right? You, you, I, I've always, I've always learned by doing, you know, I'm very, I have a very analytical brain, but ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a hands-on guy. And I think we need to recognize that kids, they learn different ways. And, and instead of us ostracizing some of them and, putting them on an IEP or because they didn't do well on this test or that test, you know, we're not going to put them in this class or that class. It's like, no, we need to be figuring out a way to have, you know, have a, a, a tailored education program for them. If we're spending the money on it, then we need to make sure we're having a tailored education program for, for each kid, quite frankly, to make sure that we're, we're highlighting and we're using and we're cultivating and we're, 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 we're bringing out the best of, of what they have to offer. Right. You know, I, I, I you, you ask me anything about science, I'll, I'll look at you and, and it'll, you'll get crickets. I, I mean, you really will. But, you know, when it comes to math, if you, when it comes to finance, you know, all, all these politics, you know, your pat what you, you learn about what you're most passionate about. Right. Like, I, not to say that I, I don't know anything about science, but I, I wouldn't I got to be in chemistry. And that was it. Like I, I was out like I wouldn't you know, I, I, that was all I needed. You know, the, the, but anyway, so I think you, you talk, you start, how do you fix the education system? You talk about how do we ensure competitive pay for teachers? You talk about, you know, how do we provide additional options 
to to people's public education, right? If you know that your school is failing and that you're not getting the type of of support or output, then you know there's no mom in America or dad or parent or whatever that wouldn't want to send their kids to a better school. So we need to figure out a way to give kids more options. And by the way, you know, when I was running, this was one thing that, you know, the, the VEA, which is the Virginia Education uh, Association, they, they kind of came out against me because I said, you know, I, I do believe in charter schools. And, and, and then by the way, I'll take it one step closer. I believe in public charters because I think that if I'm spending, if, if I'm spending $7,000, you know, a year, on my child's education through taxes, the very least that we could do is figure out a way to give a parent a voucher who wants to go and, and take that money elsewhere. And they can go and figure out a way to, to, to get the rest of the money. But you can't sit there and tell me that just because I'm paying into a school system that, you know, that's right there that I have to do something or not with my tax money. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard for me to, to wrap around my head. And then, you know, again, going back to that piece of, of, of learning and how I, I learn, and frankly, how everybody learns, is you learn by doing. So we've got to create a program. You know, we've got to create more programs that have public-private partnerships with entities. You know, I, I always scratch my head. And I'm like, all right, we, we let Amazon move in here, and we give this, them this incredible tax, you know, this incredible tax rebate. And we didn't ask them for one public-private partnership, you know, with a local school system to give them, you know, to create some sort of program that would give you know, X amount of students, this opportunity within that and da, 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 da. We sat there and we argued over tax rebates and where they were going to put this facility, that facility, and who was going to get what. And the kids got left out and, and, and all, all that money just came in. And, you know, now they, obviously Amazon's a great company, but they, you know, they've got um, Virginia Tech Innovation Campus and all that stuff around it now. But it, there's just little stuff like that, that I think we could, we could do a better job as a commonwealth um, in, in making sure that we're, we're coming together and um, and creating opportunity for all. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I. Oh, go ahead, Paul. Sorry, yeah. I'm going to jump around, man. You said rhetoric. That's got to be a Hampton Sydney only. Thing. That, that is that is a thousand percent a Hampton Sydney only thing. That, well, now, sure. Hampton Sydney, you have to take this like you have to take two two or three rhetoric courses. I don't know, but then you have to take uh, what's called the RPE um, exam. So it's a rhetoric proficiency exam. And it's incredibly hard about, I think it's, it, I think like 40% of people pass on the first time. I was lucky enough to do that, but they give you this little blue book and you have seven questions or eight questions or whatever it is. And you sit there and you have to write it out and da, 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 da. So it's, uh, and then I ended up, that, that's the rhetoric proficiency exam. But then I ended up actually um, minoring in rhetoric because I really enjoyed giving speeches and writing and it was, it was just something natural. And I said, why not? You know? So wait a minute, every graduate has to pass the RPE. Yes. Every how, how, how did Andrew mock pass? It? <laughs> I look, and, Andrew's Andrew probably passed it before I did. Honestly, but now we, we were <laughs> the same. We passed at the same time. But he's, Andrew's a really bright and smart guy. Yeah, I he, like, he is. I, I, I only kid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you play basketball at him, Sydney? I didn't. Um, I played basketball at Tucker and then I thought I was going to play basketball at him, Sydney. And then I went to a fraternity party. So, and I said, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, I would have no Christmas. I would have no, no spring break. I said, I'm going to go pro. I'm, I'm just going to take myself off the field. I'm going to go pro in something other than sports. 
And, you know, that's what I did. So I just decided very early that I, I made that decision my freshman year. I said, I'm not going to do that. So. Fraternity parties are a lot more fun than suicide yeah. for the basketball yeah, court. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel, I didn't mean to mess up your flow, man. You wanted to stay no, on no, politics. No, no, um, no. No, no, no. I, I uh, can't remember what I was going to say. I mean, it was, it was going to be something about how – It was going to be amazing. Would, everybody would agree, you know, I, I think that uh, investing in kids is like probably the way to go to solve the problems of the future. Yeah. Um, it seems like the difficulty there is just agreeing uh, what the best way is to do that. But um, I, I have a, one of our former guests, a uh, dear friend of mine, Sarah Wall, um, I told her that I'd be having you on. And uh, yeah. she, read your, she read your article uh, with, uh, with Bearing Drift, and she said that you sounded like Tim Scott. And, and I asked her if, if she had any questions to ask you, and she wanted to ask, like, your thoughts on identity politics as a whole. Um, but she was really excited. Uh, you know, she, she hopes Tim Scott runs for president, and she said yeah. you reminded him, her of him. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tim Scott's a great guy. Um, so identity politics, yeah, that's that's an interesting one, right? Because I think that ultimately, I, I don't I don't get my identity from my I don't get my identity from my political beliefs, and I think that that's kind of where we've um, we've missed the boat. I'll I'll tell you a quick I'll quick I'll tell you a quick story after um, after the twenty twenty election, and no matter where people may have. Uh, fallen on that one. I was down in Florida and I was just having a conversation with a lady and really nice lady from Chicago or Illinois and um, had just run for office. And it was really interesting because she's sitting there and she's talking to me and she also, and she also like, she also didn't succeed in her, in her bid um, or wasn't successful in the voting, uh, at the voting booth, but she came up to me and, you know, she had overheard me talking about people and she was just like, you know, what do you do after you run for office? And you did. And I said, Oh, well, why, why are you asking? And she, you know, she finally just looked at me. She's like, you know, I just ran. I just don't know what's, what to do next. So we had this really long conversation and we really got to know each other a little bit more. And then she, we got to talking about, you know, what happened in the election and, you know, how she was just confused by all of this. And, you know, I, I told her point blank, I said, look, there's a, there's a huge disconnect between what we see on the television and what people are doing out there on their day-to-day lives on all, on all sides, just to be frank on the right, on the left, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing, you know, we, we all, if you would have told me frankly that there were 2 million Virginians that would vote for Donald Trump the day before the election, I probably would have laughed at you. I mean, I really, I probably would have, but when you look, when you really think about it, when you take a step back, we all live in these bubbles. We all live in, uh, you know, we, we all live in these little mini microcosms of just kind of what we're comfortable with, right? So, you know, while we, we may think we're this way or that way, ultimately, you know, we kind of all want the same thing. We want, a, we want the cost of living to go de- down. We want, better, we, we want better and more affordable healthcare. We want to hold government accountable. We want economic growth. We want a safe environment to live in. And then we want our kids to be well-educated. Like we really do. That that is, I think that's the core tenant. And, and by the way, we want to make sure that again, everybody's got an opportunity to succeed, right? That is that is another thing that we absolutely, absolutely uh, want to have happen. But anyway, I digress. And back to back to uh, this lady in identity politics. We're sitting there, and she says to me, um, "Well, I just don't get it. How are you black and you're a Republican?" <laughs> and I said, "Ma'am." 
with all due respect, it's because of that, that it's because of what you just said to me. And that's not the reason why, but I said, the reason that we all have this, this disconnect is because I don't get to look at you and say, oh, because you're white and you have a beard, you have to support Donald Trump. Or I don't say, Paul or, or, or Danny, you know, you look like a crazy kid that's living in your mom's basement. And you, therefore, you support Joe Biden. You know, and, and it's just it's just one of these weird moments where you, you kind of, in a way, 2020 kind of just woke everybody up. And it's like, we all just need to take a chill pill and, and, and get back to just seeing people for what they are. And that's individuals and individuals with a lot of different motives. Everybody's got their own motives. You, 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 your, your, your goal, Daniel, may be to go and get out of your mom's basement and go buy a $5 million house. <laughs> go do that. You know, yeah. the, Paul, you it. might, you know, you might want to figure out a way to get rid of that, that, you know, gray stuff on your beard and you go make a great, a great company and you go make a product and that, and off you go. Right. Like you, everybody has their own little things that they want to do, you know, um, but ultimately you, you can't. I think it's really, really dangerous when people put people into buckets because I think it becomes tribal. And I think you miss the point of, you know, hey, look, I just got off the phone with my mom and <laughs> and, and, and and she said something to me. I'm like, oh, God. And <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, you know, even though she's my mom, I love her to death. And there's not there's nothing that will ever, ever replace that. Right. And, and it's the same thing when it comes to what, the way that you see politics. Like we got to get we got to get back to the point where it's OK for me to sit down with a, de- a Democrat and have a conversation and realize that I might come away with a different perspective than 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 they may. Right. I think that's important. And I think when you get down to it, um, I think that's what. Are unfortunately, I think that's what the media has kind of done is that they've siloed everybody. You know, if you if you go into your you go into anyone's house over the age of fifty five, there there's a seventy percent chance they're either going to have Fox News or MSNBC on their TV, and they watch it all day long. And it's then crazy. If you go, and then if you go on the Facebook, you see the exact same thing that they're talking about on the television on the Facebook. And I stopped watching cable news in twenty sixteen. And, you know, it, it was it was probably one of the biggest blessings. I actually got happier. I, I, I became a happier person again because you you get so bogged down with this stuff and you go, I, I got to do something. I got to do something. And there's nothing for you to do. <laughs> All you're well, doing is you just got to wait until the next show tomorrow. And, and it's no it's no longer news. It's it's it is literal. It is literal political commentary like that is what people are watching. And, yeah. and, and that's where all this, this kind of what I think, that's where all this, this, these things come about, you know, and I'm all for re I'm all for addressing and, um, you know, kind of getting down into the weeds and figuring out, you know, what is it that we can do to help different, um, you know, different, different folks in our society and whatever subgroup they may be in. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't do that at all because there are true, um, there are true structural inequities, I think, that are just a part of a, a byproduct of just some of the stuff that's happened in our in our nation, right? Unfortunately, over the years, you know, redlining and all this other stuff, you know, in the seventies. But you know, over, I, I do believe though that in fifty years, I think everybody. I mean, I, maybe a hundred years. I think everybody's going to look. It's we're going to have this beautiful blended country that 
it's, it's going to be really hard to put people in the buckets. And I think, I think that is going to be very, very powerful. And I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's just all, I think it's incumbent upon all of us to kind of one, check ourselves, first of all, you know, check ourselves, check all of our stereotypes and we know stereotypes are, are bred through people's experiences, but it's, it's important for us to reserve judgment before we actually sit down and, and try to have a conversation with someone, no matter what they are, right? Yeah, it's really cool to hear your, your nuanced opinion on it, because um, it seemed for a while that, you know, there were people on the one side saying that um, everything in this country is, you know, systemically racist and has been ever since its founding, and then people on the other side that say uh, that, that racism doesn't happen in the, in the United States at all, but like, you know, things like redlining were examples of institutional, uh, you know, programs that did target different races. And, and so um, it's important to like note those things uh, as you talk about solutions. Um, this article you wrote for Bearing Drift, I saw that it, it was on June 1st of this year, which was, mm-hmm. you know, just a couple of days after uh, George Floyd died. And I was wondering what, uh, like, what was your thought process in putting that article together, given the climate at the time? That we didn't have any leadership on all sides. Um, I was really frustrated because, you know, my inner circle, it's, it's a true melting pot. Um, I realized a very, very long time ago that it's important for us to have people around us that aren't like us. <laughs> you learn best that way. Um, you realize that no matter how much money someone has or how little money someone has or whether they're black, white, Asian, Korean, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, they are all, everyone's fighting a battle. And, you know, I think the most important thing that I saw out of that unfortunate situation was, you know, just people who, what I felt I felt they were grandstanding and they weren't necessarily trying to be a part of a solution. And that's really, really frustrating because it, when you have a moment like that, you know, you, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm a problem solver, right? So the first thing you do, you go, you go into a business or you go into anything and you sit down and you go and sit down with all the key stakeholders and you figure out what's going on. You know, you try to ed- educate yourself around the situation. Then you start having these conversations around it. And then you put together a plan and you say, all right, this is how we're going to uplift each other. This is how we're going to be with each other. And then this is how we're going to take our revenues, you know, and we're going to increase them and we're going to make sure our expenses go down. But the same thing in the temperature in the room on that front, it's like, okay, I get it. Let's go protest. I went out, I, I went out on a march, but let's do it peacefully. <laughs> let's, let's, figure out, let's figure out a way to do this so that our voices are going to be heard. And more importantly, I, didn't, I, I went out there more so to try to understand other people that were out there and only, I only went once, right? Cause it, it was, it was interesting. Um, but anyway, I went out there try to, to try to understand other people, obviously because I believe in the cause, but then more importantly, I would turn around and I'd say, you know, let's cut out this left versus right rhetoric because there's, there's bad actors on both sides. And sure enough, that's what, that's, that's what you, that's what always comes out of this stuff. And it's like, you know, if you want, if you want to see change, if you want to see, um, you know, progress on that front, then you've got to figure out a way to fix those institutions. You're not happy with the way that your local police officers can do X, Y, or Z. That's a local statue. 
go talk to your Commonwealth attorney. Go direct your energy towards running for the Virginia House of Delegates. Because that's where you're going to have a greater impact. And on institutions as a whole, you know, I just believe that people are institutions. They just are. You know, without, without, without George Washington, we don't have this nation. Without our founding farmers, we don't have a framework, which by the way, yeah, there's, there's a lot of challenges within it, but for the most part, pretty, pretty darn good framework for a couple guys that realized that they were trying to escape tyranny and they needed to build up a country. And we're still here, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, I think institutions are only as great as the people who empower them, right? So my, my, it's always, let's go attack the, pro- the problem. Like you, law enforcement, okay, well, we need more men and women in law enforcement. Now people, I mean, I'd love for more people to be, to, to become law enforcement officers. Let's figure out how to train them right. You know, let's talk about some of these things that we can do to give them the tools to succeed. And by the way, yeah, let's get some more black and brown officers in there so that we can get them to, to, to have better uh, relationships with their, with their communities that they're policing. And, and perhaps there's not this, you know, fight or flight response over every interaction that you have, right? Like, I, I, there's, there's awful cops out there. There's great cops. There are bad, bad actors and on all sides, right? And the bottom line is you, you've got to figure out a way to elect public officials and leaders who actually care about that opportunity, that opportunity uh, factor. And, and I just think that if you want to get, if you want to be able to change in your community, then you gotta be willing to get involved and, and roll up your sleeves and get down on the ground and make things, make things happen. And I just think it, it was just, that was just a tough week. I saw a lot of friends that were, that were, uh, that were, you know, getting into intense fights over it. And all it was, all it was about was because you didn't understand the other, right? You don't, you, 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 Daniel, uh, may not have had the same experience as I did growing up. Right. And when it comes to law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've had some instances in, with law enforcement that, I mean, quite frankly, I'm, 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 I'm happy to still be able to be sitting here. And then I've had some instances where, quite frankly, I was the bonehead, you know, and and some cop was cool with me. So you, you, I don't get, I don't, I don't run around and say all cops are awful, right? You just, you, you understand what, what, uh, you understand what needs to. I guess you understand what needs to transpire to make what what to make a community safe. But you don't want people picking winners and losers. And I think that was just the most frustrating thing to watch about George Floyd is was that he just seemed so helpless. And I think without, without the media and without cell phones, like we would have never, you know, I think it was just one of those things that it, it's just, it, it just lit a fire. It's all it took. We're in COVID, people are in their house and they go and they go, oh my God, like, I can't believe that happened to that guy. And whether you, whether you, whether you were black or white or, or eight, you know, whatever, you know, you just, you saw another human being. And you, you, you can recognize that something was wrong. But the question is, what, what are we trying to change, right? Like, how, how are we, I always go back to this whole, like, okay, get, get all the energy out, but then let's chart the path forward. Like, let's, let's move on. You know, we, we got, I got a six-year-old niece. Like, I, if I'm really concerned about what's going on in, in, in Rackett County, well, guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get involved because I want to make sure that her future is brighter than mine so that she doesn't have to go through the stuff that I went through. Right. Yeah. This this emphasis that you're placing on like local change as opposed to it's it seems like a lot of the people I talk to their their mood and their 
demeanor is uh, hinges on like the outcome of the presidential election rather than the uh, local election, right? And and I think what you're saying and what you're getting at is like th there's so much that can be changed and done to improve, uh, probably even more so than at the federal level. At the local level, if you're talking about changing the operating system on you know at the DMV, so w why do you think you know people care? Do you think people overvalue federal politics? To, to state and local politics and, and why? Remember that thing we were talking about, about tribalism? That's why. Because it's, it's easier to see what's, to turn on the TV and, and, and get a couple talking points on what's going on in Washington, D.C. than it is to go and sit down at your, your local county board of supervisors meeting, listen to them talk about zoning and what's happening with the schools and da-da-da-da, right? People right. would rather sit there and say, oh my God, Donald Trump did this today. Did you hear that? You know, did you hear, Daniel, that, that Joe Biden, like, he, he fell? He was walking his dog and he fell? Well, the dude is, like, 78 years old. Like, I, I'm shocked he hasn't fallen yet. I mean, it's just, it, but really, that's the news of the day. That becomes the news, you know? And then and then it just becomes this echo chamber. So, yeah, people think that your federal, the federal level is where you, where you get your, uh, the best representation. But that's just not necessarily true. It's definitely at your state and local level. And I think until we get back to that point, until people understand, like, hey, you got a neighbor over here, you got you mad about your potholes, go talk to your councilman. You know, like this, there's the, the the problems that you're facing day to day are more likely to be caused by or fixed by someone in a local or state government than someone in the federal. It just it, it's just true. It is what it is. You know. So, you're you're, um, you're, ab you're absolutely right, Garrison. The problem is most Americans don't have an appreciation for that. I don't. Yeah, no, not yeah. at all. Not at all. I mean, literally, when I was when I was running last year, I would go, and, I would go and knock doors, and the first thing people would say to me is, "Okay, where do you stand on Donald Trump?" And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm trying to fix your dmv lady like i'm trying to, <laughs> right. I'm donald trying to, trump does not care about yeah. the operating system I'm, in dmv i do exactly i'm trying to figure out how do we get a tag grant so that the next kid that goes to him sydney can get you know seventy five hundred dollars instead of six like this is we've got this all wrong like, whatever's going on up in dc that's that's not what we're voting on here but people just don't get the difference right because i think i think a part of it is too that um People have just gotten so accustomed to it, right? That's why that's why uh, people vote so much more on federal levels because when they get and the money in politics now too is it's oh. it's absurd, mm. it's absurd. They spent like two and a half billion dollars on that last election in the middle of COVID, in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, think about that. It's crazy. <laughs> you got that's a lot you got, of money. It's, yeah, it's insane. So, you know, the, the, the amount of money that is spent on targeting, you go, I mean, this year, my God, you, I went to, you know, you go to Sweet Frog and they're telling you to go vote. It's like, I'm, I'm here to get ice cream. Like, I don't, I, don't need to, I don't need to get told to go and vote. Like, I'm going to go vote. Trust me. You know, you go to Shake Shack, go, go vote. Five guys, vote. Footlocker, vote. It's like, all right, we get it. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I think everyone should go vote. But like, I don't, I don't need, you know, my thing to be, I don't, I don't need everything to be so politicized. Like, I just want to go out and, and have a beer with my friends. And you guys are sitting here telling me, did you fill out your absentee? Did you do, 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 do? It's like, all right, like, can, can we breathe? So um, I think mm. the amount of the amount of emphasis and targeting and those types of things that are put on um, also makes a, a world of difference. So, right, you're, cool. you're, a big, you're a big basketball guy, college or uh, pros? 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pro. I'm an NBA fan. Um, my love for basketball stems back to when Kobe was was really introduced into the league. Yeah. And um, I have just had an affinity for him for a very, very long time. I respected his work ethic. I think that, um, you know, the way that he overcame adversity was always something that I admired and looked at. I think that just his can-do attitude and will and determination was just something that, you know, sports has a weird way of, um, of bringing out those types of qualities and those virtues, right? Like you just, it, it just does. And, and in a basketball team, it's a team, right? And teamwork, obviously that's all the world is. I mean, it, it just is, it's communications. It's, it's learning how to express yourself. It's learning how to fix problems. It's learning how to help people. I mean, all these things you, you, you learn in the game of basketball. And, you know, look, I always tell people the Republican Party of Virginia has been losing a lot. And what happens when a team starts to lose on basketball? Well, everybody starts to pat their own stats, right? So everybody, you stop setting picks, you stop setting screens, you stop rolling, you stop passing the ball, you start shooting for yourself. And that's the same thing that happens kind of in, 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 in the real world, right? When you, when you know something's falling apart, well, nobody's talking to each other. Nobody's doing, you know, nobody's doing anything to help the other person. Everybody's just looking out for themselves. But, you know, ultimately, when you're winning, you have a team that's winning, then all of a sudden you've got other people that want to win. You've got other people that want to come to the dance. You know, you, you, win, the, you win the first round of the, of the NCAA tournament, then you get into the second round, and then before you know, you're VCU, and, and kids from Richmond are going to Texas, and they've never seen Texas, but they're just there because it's basketball. And that's amazing, right? Like, that's the, that's the, that's the, the, the power of, 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 frankly, winning, but also just the power of teamwork. And I think that's what I just I, – I always love people – and, you know, I, 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 I've always liked to lead, but ultimately it, it's always been about team. And I think that, you know, I, I, in the real world, I've been very fortunate to have had a lot of mentors and I've never been afraid to ask for help. I've never been shy to give help. Um, I, 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 I am a giver, but, you know, ultimately I, I just find that when I work with people and when you're in a when you're in an environment where you've got support, then you thrive, period, you know? Yeah, let, let me go back to Kobe for a second. I, yeah. I first heard about Kobe when he was 17, and he was scrimmaging with guys in the pros. Yeah. And you, you couldn't – he was a skinny – 17-year-olds are skinny kids, right? So he was a skinny kid. But he athletically and his basketball skills were on par as a 17-year-old playing against guys in their 20s and, and early right. 30s. He, he was right. – he was an insane talent and, and awfully sad that he's no longer with us. But I'll tell you, yeah. I'm of an age where Dr. J was the man. Oh, there you he, go. There he, you inspired, go. <laughs> he inspired my uh, love of basketball. And when a man takes off from the free throw line and dunks it, I, what? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I love it. I love it. Cool. Very, very well, cool. We, Do you yeah, have to leave you now? No, no, you're good. We can, we've got some time. So. All right. So yeah. what, what's the derivation of your last name, Garrison? Coward. Uh, it's cow herder. It's a it's an old English name. And I would imagine that somewhere down the line that uh, it got switched probably when, you know, one of one of my you know, long, 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 long time ago. But it, it technically it's actually an old English name that means cow herder. And the only two times that I've heard anyone make fun of my last name was 
when I was in the sixth grade and then when I ran for office. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so So, glad I, I'm so glad I just asked you that question. Yeah. (laughs) So there you have it. So yes, my name is Garrison Rashad Coward. Yeah. Cowherder, not, not somebody who's afraid of uh, challenges. No, 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 I'm I'm definitely not that. I'm definitely not. Evidently not. So (laughs) what do you like, why don't we end with, uh, what do you think the future holds uh, for Garrison? Oh, wow. Um, well, it depends on which part of this podcast you edit out and what you don't. So <laughs> we're, not, we're, uh, we're not editing anything. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I am taking a hard look at, uh, you know, again, going back to that, that just kind of burning desire that I have to serve. I mean, I really do. It's not because I, I don't want to be anything. It's just, I just know that, you know, you, you put enough people in office frankly. And then you realize that, you know, why not just go be the decision maker yourself? You can, you can be, you can be a lot of things. You can be frustrated. You can be sad. You can be happy. You can do whatever you want to do or or have whatever viewpoint you want on the way that your life's going. But if I see a government or if I see my uh, people, my, my neighbors that are, that are struggling, then I just have this natural inclination to help. And I think that unfortunately, even with, you know, how nasty politics can be at times, you know, it's, it's always about the man in the arena. You got to step in the arena and you got to fight your fight. And it's not about winning or losing. It's, you know, definitely you want to win to make sure you can make those decisions, but it's about knowing that you did everything that you could possibly do beyond, beyond yourself, beyond outside influence. You did everything that you could do to make sure that you were carrying out your conviction. So, you know, I, I, I do have this passion to serve and whether that means I run next year, whether that means I run in 2022, you know, whatever the future may hold, you know, I'll definitely be running one, one time over the next three years. That's, that's for sure. But, you know, to sit here and tell you that I want to go and be the president of the United States or the next Senator or the next governor would be disingenuous. You know, I just, I, I think that, there are moments. I think everybody has their moments. I think there are moments in time. And I think that, you know, people, people make the right decisions for themselves. Always people like balance. Um, voters are not stupid. And ultimately, you know, you, you just want to position yourself to make sure that you're in the best place for that moment in time for your opportunity to serve. So that was a very political answer to a very simple question <laughs> no, it's, it's a great attitude no no I, no it's yeah you have a you have a really inspiring attitude i resonate deeply with the idea of being in the arena um yeah. and yeah i look forward to seeing where you go man yeah well i i look forward to seeing where y'all go too um and don't be strangers uh danny and paul um this was this is very fascinating what y'all are doing really, Gar- really Garrison, you're gonna be on again we're gonna be in person the next time we do it Okay. We'll drink a couple beers. And uh, yeah. So just to be clear, what we are doing is trying to represent all parts of humanity other than the extremes on either end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, I I listened to uh, to Kyle again. I don't know. I, you know, he was he's the first generation American. I was like, oh my God, like this is so fascinating. Now he's this real estate entrepreneur and this football player. And you had a dude on there that, you know, was a casino gambler who looked like he, he, he counts cards or something. I don't know. But I just think it's, I just think it's fascinating what y'all are doing. And when I get some time over the Christmas break, I'll definitely um, 
sit down and listen to some more, but keep it up. It's just, this is just great. I just love to see people coming together in our backyards and just, just doing stuff. Right. I, so, I love it. I love, we, we yeah. need a shot in the arm about what Daniel once every couple of months. Yeah. Two more months. The world's yeah. going to get at least, the world's going to get at least eight more episodes because of this one, <laughs> one episode. Oh man. I love yeah. it. All right. Well, I got, I got cool. a hop. So, but All right, hey, Garrison, last, so thing, hey, last thing, uh, you got to yeah. help us get Rob Whitman on. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can do that. So All right. I'll, All right. um, You're the man, take Garrison. Care. Take All care, right, Garrison. thanks, guys. Have thanks a great for joining holiday. us. Appreciate it. All right, bye. See bye ya. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.